brought to you in part by the Balanced Palette. AFIA Sports Training, committed to developing the sporting potential of future players in the U.S., U.K., and across the world. And the Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City talking rugby. And we are talking November Test Rugby. It doesn't get any better than it does now. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a fabulous cast here in the studio and on the monitor. To my left, uh, proxy for Steve Lewis, Mr. Martin Pengelly. He's actually acting like he's not the proxy, so we'll see what he's got to say. Uh, Mr. Kies Lensing, the um, rugby god from South Africa, Namibia, depends on when you ask him, uh, but he's also a coach here with uh, Rugby United New York. And, of course, our South African living in Denver, Mr. Barry Herbert. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here again. All right, Barry, we interviewed uh, Gary Gold, the head coach of Team USA, and uh, he was not happy with the two of us picking Samoa last week. I'll, I'll give you that. But he did call you as a fellow South African. He said a useless sapper. <laughs> well, that's great coming from Gary because he's not even the best coach from his high school, Matt. He's uh, <laughs> in the USA currently. All right. How to win friends and influence people, right? Is that what that one's, Marty? Okay. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let's get right to it. We had a big weekend of rugby in, in, in international test rugby, the official window. Martin, let's start with you. Let's start with England versus New Zealand. Offsides or not offsides? Um, can I say I think it was offside, but I don't think it should have been called? Can I get away with that? I no. think he was fractionally offside, but I think, as far as I understand the directive from World Rugby, the TMO shouldn't, had no business doing what he did, as far as I understand it. Plus, I'm English and sad. All right, so factually, you're saying he was offside. Actually, I think well, I, I couldn't. I, everything I tried to do. It's watching, like the fans trying to say I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I regret it. I won't say I'm sorry. Um, everything I tried to. Every time I watched it, I had a different reaction. The overriding thing for me was that I'm English, so I'm biased. I thought when I thought it was a try, I hit the roof in the office where I was watching it, punching my fist and making a couple of Americans quite frightened because I was so happy. And they called it back. Um, yeah, I think he probably was a touch offside, but um, Rob Kitson from our newspaper wrote a very good column about it. It's the, these fractional calls that are called back and called back. I would rather we didn't have them. And I th as far as I understand, I'm not even sure I've understood it correctly because it's world rugby politics. The directive was for TMOs not to do that, and the TMO did it. Ooh. So Ooh. I, I don't know. It was very frustrating. I mean, the, the actual the, the salient point is what Clive Woodward said, and I don't normally agree with anything he says. England had chances to win that game anyway. It didn't take them. And the line-out fell apart. They had lots of reasons they didn't win. So it, go, it does go further than that. But in yeah, the, you didn't score after scoring 15 points. Yeah, and, in the, and they didn't drop a goal at the end. They, they, they crabbed sideways and then forced a pass. I, it was monumentally painful. The debate is great. That's what everyone likes about the game. I, you know, obviously, I'm English. I'd rather it, wasn't, it hadn't been called and that try had stood because I think Sam Underhill is a startlingly good, promising player. And... Well, he certainly schooled Brad. Uh, he's Barrett. I mean, he just you know. <laughs> that was wonderful to see. That yeah, that was you know sort of odd. Uh, semi, well, hide and semi, seek well, in 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 the foreground. Yeah, and a sort of a sort of punch naturally after those eighty minutes, a punch drunk sidestep, whatever you'd call it. He sort of staggered and beat yeah. him. It was wonderful to see. That's part of the reason I hit the roof, pumping my fist and shouting things. And my two American editors were like, Ugh. 
what's going to him? You know, it was an amazing moment, and it's a, it's a real shame it got called back for a TMO thing. I'd like to think I'd say that if an All Black had done it to England, I probably wouldn't. So the answer was, he, he said factually, the guy was offside. So as a player in those situations, and I was going by Courtney Laws' reaction. When the call was made, he kind of looked up in the air kind of knowingly a little bit. You've been in situations where you've had calls on in big games. What's that like as a player? Did you, you know it or it's going to come? Or He definitely noticed. I think he knew he was a little bit offside. And if you look at it, I've also looked a couple of times at the footage. I believe he was offside. Uh, but on that point, I want to say there was a lot other offsides that have never been called. Offsides that have been way worse than this have never been called. The only problem is this offside here was a game changer. This call here was a game changer. And um, I like to, again, Steve, uh, Steve Hansen said after the game, he's glad that the Revs had the courage to go through with the call. So, like you said, it depends on what jersey you got on here. If you got a New Zealand jersey, you're happy that the ref had the guts to make this call. If you got an England jersey on, you would say, man, I've known many other offsides that have never been called, but this one cost us this game. If you go a week ago, South Africa was in the same situation, fair and square. There was not a, no arms tackle. South Africa was moaning. The score stays. 12-11. Right. Right. This weekend, the score stays 15-16. So that's, that's the game, and that makes the game interesting. And I think that's what shows why rugby is different than any other sport. Yeah. Uh, we can argue about it afterwards, but at the end of the day, we accept the, what the referee's decision is. And next week, we're back on the field, and we just play harder. So, yeah. And I want to also say, uh, England had more than enough chances to win that game. To be 15-0 up, and uh, dominating the first couple of minutes, they should have uh, definitely uh, kept their composure. And, they, they, and the lineouts, they definitely, the last couple of lineouts, when they lost, that cost them the game. There was more than enough opportunities to seal the game off. So. Well, that gets what I, what I, what I, what player I've been pretty impressed with is George Cruz with his, his grit, determination. He went down with the calf injury yeah. in, in that match. And that could have been a pivotal moment for England in that match as well. I think it was like the 60th minute or something along those lines. Yep. And um, afterwards, a, a refusal to con- apparent refusal to consider throwing somewhere where Retallick wasn't. Yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. what I, I probably would have done in my <laughs> high school days. It's like, well, the big guy from the other team is taking our ball, so let's throw it somewhere else. Right. They didn't. I don't, you know, these things happen. Barry, I, I'm guessing that you're going to probably say that he was offsides. Uh, you're right, Matt. He was. Um, he was only just offside, but he was offside. So I believe the call was correct. Um, but again, just going back to the result there, 16-15, I think, to, to the All Blacks, they've squeaked in again, Matt. You know, I, I mentioned last time on the show these get-out-of-jail-free cards, and uh, they got another one. So, you know, this is, I don't know how many games in a row now for the All Blacks where they, they're squeaking in by one, two points. The referees and the TMO decisions are going in their favor. How many more of these have they got, Matt? Uh, and I'm not saying, or I'm not suggesting, like some people have suggested that, you know, they get the rub of the green with the, the Are referees. Are you suggesting and, uh, they get the rub of the green? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm just suggesting that they, they cut it very, very fine. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they were in trouble again in that test match. And again, they've come through. Um, but they're not going to keep doing this. I mean, I think Ireland have got a real shot this weekend. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about Ireland. Let's, let's, uh, let's leapfrog a little bit. Um, Ireland... Played Argentina, tough team, right? A lot of people underestimating Argentina, just how good they are. Specifically, I'm reading, you know, people's comments about how uh, 
the Irish center pairing got schooled and it was the worst in the history of Ireland. And I'm thinking, you know, the, the, the Argentinians have a pretty good center combination and they've got guys that are emerging and play Oh, cause you don't know their name. It's not on the tip of your tongue. Doesn't mean that they're not very capable players. You have a frustrating game against Argentina in the start or any point in an awesome series. It's nothing. Shouldn't be anything surprising. You know, beating beating Argentina and being unhappy with the way you play is kind of what happens in November and in the autumn because Argentina are good and especially in Europe, the European pundits they don't see much. Oh, definitely. And uh, again, uh, I also think this weekend Ireland probably uh, just from previous performances, Ireland probably got. If we thought. In the beginning of November, which team got the biggest chance to beat the All Blacks in the Northern Hemisphere? It would have been Ireland. I would have backed Ireland. So I think if New Zealand was struggling last, last weekend, this weekend is even going to be definitely a more harder game for them. So they, yeah. they'll have to step up a little bit this weekend. Yeah. Wales, edging. What, you guys should? I don't, I don't discuss Wales. All right, let's go to Wales. This is your baby, I I would imagine, because I I would think that you'd like um, watching Wales beat Australia for some reason. Uh, To be fair, Wales have been playing pretty well, and Australia have not. So this is not entirely unexpected. Um, The Australian squad has been quite depleted. Uh, They haven't been playing great rugby, and uh, this was on the cards. So well done to Wales. They've uh, They've got a result, and they've got a Southern Hemisphere scalp. In fact, if you look at all the results, you'll see it was quite quite evenly spread between the northern and southern hemisphere, which wasn't the case a few years ago where the southern hemisphere just dominated. So, uh, no, congrats to Wales there. They'll be very, very happy with that result, but uh, not entirely unexpected. And how about, uh, have you been eating a lot of poutine and foie gras since the victory in Paris for your boys? That, that one looked like it was sliding away from the spring box. Um, but uh, a, a terrific finish. And I thought they upped the tempo beautifully in the last 20 minutes to the Springboks um, after a real grind for pretty much 60 minutes where France looked the better team. So um, it was a really, really strong finish from the Springboks. And yes, we're very happy with the result. I don't think we played particularly well, the Springboks, um, but uh, they did finish strong, uh, which which obviously was the difference. And at a couple of tries disallowed there. I don't know if you saw the Cheslin-Colby incident with what looked like a High tackled in the process of Colby scoring. They dislodged the ball. Uh, you know, nobody said anything about that. Uh, they did check it on the TMO. But uh, I, I think a penalty try could have been given there for that high shot around the neck, dislodging the ball in the in the motion of scoring. So, yeah, uh, South Africa were fortunate probably to win there. France played pretty well, but they finished stronger. And if uh, that's what you got to do in rugby, you got to finish the game. And that's what the box did this week. Yeah, and, you know, what... what- I, I like the most is Rassi is becoming one of my favorite coaches because in, in that series, you know, first of all, you know, showing the tackling dummy thing with, with Farrell, you had to come on, you got to like that. But then also he's down pitch side in, the, in that last minute or so when, when the Springboks are, yes. on, are playing the advantage and they seemingly score a try, but he was offside and they come back and he's got a big smile on his face as he's standing there instead of like tearing his hair out. I think he was grinding his teeth as well, Matt. I mean, I don't think he was. I think that was that may have just been for the cameras, the smile. I'm sure he was fuming. Um, you know, Nigel Owens had a look at it. Um, again, massive pressure on these referees, and I don't think they're always getting it right on, on the TMO. Uh, and in that case, I think there was definite cause. And Rusty had, you know, he was smiling, but I can promise you, inside he would have been fuming because that was around the neck. Uh, the ball gets dislodged, and Colby, you know, probably he's probably going to score there. So it's a it's a it's a penalty. Uh, my understanding is that then becomes a penalty try. So, 
Anyway, the result went the boxes way. Bongi and Bonambi getting the final score, the 85th minute this time. So another dramatic finish to the game. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a really a really good finish. All right, I got to go back to the Wales match just because just to bug you a little bit. But Gareth Anscombe with the with an unbelievable play defensively to knock the ball out of a would be try scorer for the Wallabies in what turned out to be a nine six nail biter, right? I mean, that's just a great defensive play by a guy that's now on the radar to be the man for Wales, right? Again, I think that game, Australia made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. There were so many handling errors. They built well, build, build, build. As soon as they get into that uh, goal zone or that uh, 22 area where they need to finish it, then just some unfortunately knock on or drop the ball or a bad pass. So, again, Wales beat them fair and square. But, man, uh, Australia got a little bit of problems, I think, in the house. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the other intriguing match matchup uh, was Italy hosting Georgia, right? But it was intriguing because everybody's crying about the fact that Georgia should be in the Six Nations rather than Italy. And in the last three test matches that they've played against each other, Italy has won. Barry? Well, we called this one wrong. Um, I didn't we, call uh, it wrong. I picked Italy because of Sergio, Pere- Sergio, Sergio Perez being on this yes, show. Your, yes, your man crush on him. Yes, I found that quite amusing. <laughs> um, no, uh, Italy, yeah, Italy got home here uh, and they needed it. They were obviously desperate, backs to the wall. And uh, they've put in a performance good enough to beat a, a tier two nation. So, you know, I don't know if that's progress for them, but the win, they will take it. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe we overstated Georgia's uh, capabilities a bit there, but the Italians will be delighted with the win. And Scotland uh, taking it to Fiji. They must have found out in the changing room that Stuart Hogg was going to be playing in England in the premiership, and they just went crazy on the Fijians. I'd be surprised if that was the full motivation for the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's signed for Exeter, right? We better try very hard. Um, no, but it's yeah. yeah, I could see that logic. Yeah, that that game, the what I saw of it, the Fijians started strong and Scotland came on stronger, which is a thing you'll see quite a lot in such games. And Scotland have, have got momentum, as you put it. Now. Momentum is a key element in these matches. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more November Test Talk. Here on Rugby Wrap-Up, stay with us. Been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. That's good beer. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. All right, we are back. Matt McCarthy with Mr. Barry Herbert on the monitor, Mr. Kias Lensing to my right, and Mr. Martin Pengelly to my left. Gentlemen, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, read Steve Lewis's comments about last weekend. I'll, I'll read them for you because I know that you were going to do them in a Roger Moore accent, and he said that would start World War V. So, number one, Steve Lewis says, Test rugby in this November has been magnificent, enthralling, physical, exciting clashes and nail-biting finishes, but we have also seen 
major refereeing inconsistencies, and he would be harumphing with his fist the champagne socialist in the injustice of this, and controversies. Case in point, the red card for USA's debutante prop Megan Rom in comparison to the one of Harriet Oral and Pat Clifton nailed this with his little Twitter comparison there, so check it out. Inevitable that Hogg would move on. Glasgow simply do not have the financial clout to compete in the prevailing market. The only surprise is he opted for the smaller market exeter rather than the big dollar boys of European rugby in London and Paris. Yes, as a player, you could probably empathize, empathize with this move, but you can, you can probably imagine what the fans in Glasgow are going through right now. Yeah, it's always difficult uh, for a player, especially if you have uh, been with a club for a very long time. And you got your fan base there. The fans never want you to leave. But the player also, he knows that he's, he's coming to the end of his career. And maybe... Well, this guy's not coming to the end of his career. Yeah, but, but you, your, career, still pretty young. Your, your career is limited. And unfortunately, um, you need to get as much as possible income out of it. As, and maybe he feels like he reached a stage in, this, in, in, in Glasgow now that he, he haven't, they don't have the potential to win cups or uh, trophies. And he really wanted to uh, just a change of environment. And a lot of guys, I know a lot of guys make changes of clubs because he think he's going to win. He have the opportunity to win a premiership competition or uh, maybe another competition if, if he moves to another club. And there can be internal uh, problems as well. We never know about it. Maybe between him and the coaching staff or just uh, there's, there's a million reasons yeah. for a player to, to, to leave a club. But it's never, ni- uh, it's not, it's never nice for, uh, for the supporters to see uh, a guy of his statue leaving. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so if Exeter loses on a match, does Stuart Hogg become Scottish? And when they win, is he British like Andy Murray? <laughs> the Andy Murray equation, yeah. No, I don't think so. But not, at Exeter, there's a very good column that actually our friend the Champagne Lizard pointed out on Twitter by Jamie Lyle, who's a Scottish writer, wrote a very good column about why um, Hogg has moved on, including we are talking about making the most of your career. He's had bad facial injury with the Lions. He's been battered around a bit. He's 26. He's still quite young, but he's very experienced. Time to, you know, make some money. Yeah. Extra, they're not the big champagne payers, but they, they are a good, very well, financially sound, well-run club. But Jamie Lyle's column, which was making the good point, is that the extra culture is, by all reports, I've been there uh an excellent team culture a culture where players thrive players enjoy themselves players improve rob baxter the coach is one of the best co- best english coaches there is i mean he may well leave relatively soon after Eddie jones and become england coach which might change things but it's um it's is this a, a, you, you have a breaking story here on rugby wrap-up that you know something nope. from the guardian <laughs> he's in he's in the he's in the mix for taking over england after Eddie jones leaves after the world cup i mean we used to say that about Jim Mallander every year when they thought there'd be a change and he never made it, so maybe it'll never happen, but it's still... Um, he's, he's that highly rated as a coach. I mean, as, as a rugby move for someone like Stuart Hogg, who is an exceptional rugby player and obviously a player who thinks about his game and so on, like let's do, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Barry, you want to weigh in on any of this stuff? You know, you, you got guys that are... Well, you have teams that have left Super Rugby from South Africa coming up to the Pro 14. Is it... What is is it bug you or you you understand it? What's your take? This is part of the game, and uh, it's you know it's 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 a hard reality, and it's pretty much the same in any other professional sport, guys. So we have to get used to it, and uh, it's it's something that's going to continue. Just to use this as a segue, I think 
after losing to the United States in, in Houston, Hogg needed a change because he was the <laughs> captain of that team, and they lost. So that's just me. I'm just saying I'm just taking it back to America here. And with that, I want to segue into our last two matches of, of last weekend that we want to touch upon. First, let's go to that big one, Namibia versus Russia. Uh, Namibia versus Russia, not the expected. Uh, I, I, I always knew Namibia is going to be a little bit under pressure because the Russian team, I think they display uh, a lot more competitive games than Namibia. Uh, they lost 47-20 this weekend in Spain. So hopefully it uh, looked like what I can follow on social media. They had a good week of training and the guys are prepared and they're ready for Spain. So honestly, I hope for them. It's just a build-up for them and to give them a little bit more experience before the World Cup. But yeah, it's going to be tough for them anyway. What yeah. if the phone rang tomorrow? They need a they need a backup prop with it. That's a little bit about coaching. <laughs> this guy is out. I'm definitely not <laughs> to play. Definitely not. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And uh, we had, of course, the United States beating Samoa in a in a unbelievable up and down match, losing Blaine Scully in like the thirty uh, second minute. Uh, with a with a black eye slash general face swelling nose stuff, you know, and, and I was watching a Samoan feed, and it had the announcers doing the game from Auckland, and the game clock on the feed said 74 minutes, when actually it was at the 80th minute, and Huli is lining up for the penalty kick that's going to put them in the lead, and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be in a lead. It's a precarious lead with. Five minutes left in the match, but in actuality, it, the hooter it sounded. This was the final play of the match. So he makes the kick, and he's going crazy. He's going crazy. They're getting hugs, and and the the, the broadcaster, the Kiwi, says, "No, oh, he seems quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> like not having." He's like, "What? What? what he made a kick finally. <laughs> that's, that's 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 this is the reaction." I watched the same feed for the same reasons, and um, it was fitting for the game. It was a very strange game of rugby. That yeah, one. it was. It was riddled with mistakes. Yeah. Um, both teams, uh, I would imagine, rusty. Both teams. Um, well, you had come on, you had a 19-year-old scrum half for Team USA. Mm -hmm. You had Will Hooley had only played 15 for Team USA coming at fly. At fly. You had the introduction of a 19-year-old prop, and you know, you know. Yeah, you have all you have all that happening, and um, they won. And they won. Uh, that says something to me about the team culture now. Yeah. In the past couple of years, I've said before, um, Gary Gold coming in doing a one, an excellent job by the look of it. Yeah. Um, Mitchell and, and Veal before that doing an excellent job because the run the run of good form started last year, yeah. which is always always needs to be remembered. All right. So let's go ahead and start doing our predictions for next weekend. Okay. Um, USA versus Romania, and give me a point differential. USA by ten. USA by ten. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. I know the, this is the, um, Romania got a South African coach now there, and they smashed Portugal this uh, last weekend. Romania beat them quite far. Um, I think it's going to be a closer game. Maybe uh, USA by five, six. Really? Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I All don't right. Think, yeah. uh, Matt, I'm going to go with a USA victory here to keep Gary Gold uh, on, on sides a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's... <laughs> They should get home here, yeah, Matt. Um, I, I'm not sure of Romania's form right now, but uh, I'm going to go with the U.S. by 10 points here. Um, Samoa is a much better team than Romania. The Maori All Blacks are a much better team than Samoa, one could argue, right? 
the Maori All, All Blacks didn't do that great against, uh, what was it, Brasilia? Brazil, yeah. Oh, I th not, not a big score, so that's why I've, I've got my doubts. All right. I, I, <laughs> we could have this argument all day long. If they, wanted to, if they wanted to, they could field a team that would be one of the top-ranked teams in international test rugby. Oh, right? I, I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so I'm going to pick Team USA by 15 points in this match. All right, and guys, I know that there's a lot of rugby going on for you to watch, but between that, what you can do is escape the ordinary and enjoy dance and culture of the Mediterranean. This weekend at the 15th anniversary celebration of the Mosaic Dance Theater Company, Manhattan Movement Arts Center, 7.30 Saturday. All right, we'll see you there. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. Um, Barry, it was great to see you from South Africa via Denver. And Mr. Kiss Lensing, our Namibian, who is now coaching 17 teams here in New York. Mr. Martin Pengeli of the uh, Guardian, uh, always welcome. And proxy to Steve Lewis uh, when... Whenever we determine that. And I'm Matt McCarthy. And on that note, we are out of time. For Rugby Wrap-Up here at the Fantasy Sports Network, Studio 34 in New York City. We'll see you next time.